I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Hobby horse competitions? What are hobby horse competitions? Well, they're, as the name would imply, a series of competitions held all over the world, but mostly in Finland, where young women engage in recreational, organized sport, where they pretend to ride horses and jump over objects, while using a hobby horse. Yes, they're completely real, and we're going to talk about it in probably the lowest stakes episode of Deep Cuts ever. Act 1. No, this isn't a joke. Yes, this is objectively funny. Humans have needs, deep-seated, strangely twisted, and profoundly warped inner maladies. And they also like to ride around on stick horses and pretend they're in an equestrian club in Finland. The human spirit is an enduring flame, lighting a beacon in search of connection, understanding, and fulfillment. It's a force of nature. When it wants to be, it's a willful entity all to its own. Many people have tried to deny their true calling, and then ultimately paid the price for it. Granted, usually that true calling is a passion a little bit more... I don't know, something. It feels wrong to be making snide japes and asides about what is literally a young girl's pastime, but it's so funny, I kinda can't help myself. I support everyone and want everyone to follow their inner bliss, but I also want to be able to crack a few good-natured jokes along the way. And let's be real, spending your days riding a stick horse is equal parts deeply interesting and incredibly strange, so just know that any jokes that happen to slip out are coming from a place of well-meaning intention. Speak for yourself. Back to the point I was making, though. We're all alone. We're all weird. And we're all lonely. We all rise up and bond over strange passions that from the outside appear deeply unhinged or bizarre. Think of it this way. If no one had ever knit anything before, and then all of a sudden one of your friends was like, I'm going to take this piece of yarn and make it fight itself until it forms a scarf. You'd be like, bro, are you sure you're good? Are you insinuating that hobby horse competitions are like our generation's like misunderstood genius of tomorrow? Like one day, 20 years from now, it's gonna be like, oh yeah, hobby horse competitions cure cancer. Like everyone knows that. I mean, come on, man. You think they that it doesn't? You don't know that. Today, thanks to the internet, things have gotten easier for the strange among us. The outsiders, the individuals who might be more at home on an island of misfit toys. Everyone has their own little subdomain to meet, gather, and discuss their passions with. An archipelago of, no really, I just like what I like. Which brings us to the subject of today's episode, hobby horsing. Mr. Price, Papa Pricey, if you will. Had you... <laughs> had you heard of hobby horsing as a, a a recreational event prior to me being like, bro, we got to do this as an episode. No, I have not. I no. Whenever you first sent me the episode, this the when you sent me the script upon reading the title, I thought that it was going to be like the story of the woman who invented hobby horses and her like struggle to claim like copyright ownership over her invention or something like that. I was not prepared for what this was <laughs> at all. I was like, like literally like in my mind, I was like some woman invented hobby horses, but got her patent stolen by some company. And then like she spent 30 years reclaiming it or something and then I opened it up and I was like, it's like little girls racing on toy horses. <laughs> so, you, so basically, but basically you hadn't seen because there's kind of like a viral clip, like a news reporting clip that kind of went around the Internet in like 2017, 2018. You, you didn't see that at all. I have. I'm still I'm having a little trouble processing that this is a thing that exists still <laughs> from, from whenever I read this the first time. Competitive hobby horsing originated in Finland and has more than 10,000 active participants. 
Competitions have been screened and featured on multiple mainstream media outlets and social media platforms since then, even gaining notice on ESPN and ABC. There's even a fairly comprehensive piece in the Wall Street Journal, which we'll probably read to you later, but bear with us. So what exactly does competitive hobby horsing entail? It's exactly what it sounds like. You compete against other young girls while riding a toy horse and pretending it's real. So just to paint the mental picture for the listener, basically what these competitions are is they're- Dave, Dave, it's it's exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> it's ex- it is. It is exactly it's a, what you're it's, thinking. There's no, it's exactly what you're thinking. Think of the most literal interpretation of what we've said so far. And that is what it is. It's a it's a it's a a, a faux equestrian um you know kind of set a, a setup uh what are, what are they called like a like a grassy field but it's not a grassy field because they're they're always in like gymnasiums and shit and they have little like um you know uh, what are those things called that you jump over in triathlete that triathletes like jump over I don't even well it's not triathletes it's 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 what horses jump over yeah whatever those horses jump over yeah those things whatever those are called I don't know I don't know what the term is but yeah it's they're they're these little so there's these little stands these little like these little wooden brackets and then there's a bar like a wooden bar that's between them and the bar is like not attached to it where you like i guess it's for safety in case you the horse trips over it or something the bar if you if you touch the bar it'll fall off i don't know what those things are called but it's like it's what you see you know in competitive equestrian um whatever whatever the whatever that's called what what is it called? It's, I don't even know. Show show racing, show jumping. I don't know. When you see people riding horses and they're jumping over those little limbo bars, <laughs> it's that. It's it's just, just exactly that, except they're a little lower because it's just a person. I'm just picturing somebody listening to this and actually being like familiar with anything having to do with equestrian hobbying and being like, it's called a fucking smorgasbord, you idiots. How do you not know this? It's it's exactly what you think it is. It's a mini it's an, a mini equestrian track where there's multiple jump things lined up and the little girls usually between the ages of 5 and 15 have a stick with a felt horse's head on on one end and they put it between their legs and they kind of like faux canter. They like jog in the way that horses feet move and they pretend like they're a horse and they run around the the the, the track jumping over these various objects um while maintaining a a steady uh pace and and increasing levels of difficulty as they jump over the various objects and um when i first saw it i was like this is the weirdest fucking thing i've ever seen this is truly bizarre and i've seen some weird shit and i was like what the fuck is this yeah i mean not that not that this undermines the strangeness of it i don't think this makes it any less strange but the thing that i was struck by seeing them do this and watching this documentary about them that kind of actually gets into the people and sort of shows days in their lives and things like that. The thing I was struck by was I, th- I think the internet meme reaction to this on a very surface level watching this and then what you're going to see people talking about in memes and when they're reposting the videos on the internet and stuff is that these little girls are like insane because they're just like pretending like the horse is real and talking to it and doing all these tricks or whatever. But the thing that I was struck by was it's not that these little girls, they're not like some weird delusional, like off in some fantasy world. They're kayfabing. This thing is like a combination between like a sport, like a competitive sport as, you know, quote unquote sport, as much as you can define it as that. It's a combination between that and then like living theater or something like that. It's like cosplay meets competitive sport meets improv or something. I mean, especially the fact that it's like little kids, like that's the area of that. I mean, it is weird objectively, like when you're like taking a step back from it. But the weird part of it actually, I think, comes from the fact that you're trying to overlay an adult sense of logic by making it a competition onto something that every person does. Every person, when they're a little kid, has an imagination and has these rich inner lives where you have toys that you talk to and imaginary friends and all of these things. The, the, the bizarre friction comes from that sense of organic play and this very kind of more adult logical, like, oh, your te- your, your feet weren't pointed in your canter the proper way. So we're deducting a point. Yeah. I guess that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is like, 
it's it's just uh playing pretend but it's like gamified yeah it, it, it which is which is the strange thing to me that's like the strange thing to me is not like oh these little girls are crazy or whatever the strange thing to me is like they're just playing pretend but then it's been turned into like a competition yeah i mean it's no different than like playing D or something yeah it's yeah it's like D, it, that is what it is because th- that's the thing about it is like when you watch the documentary, the little the little girls, they're not just playing pretend on a surface level. They have like this weird in-depth knowledge of the terminology of real show horsing or whatever you call it. These little girls, they're talking to each other and they're giving each other. There's like one little girl that's like a little older and she's like coaching some younger beginners and she's giving them pointers. And her terminology is like, it sounds like it's very accurate. It's like she has an actual knowledge of the real version of it. All of the moves, all the things that they do. And then she's just applying it all to this game, this pretend play in, in, in a way that's like very reminiscent of D and D where it's like you're playing this fictional make believe game. But you're applying these very really in-depth rules to it. The competitions that take place in North America specifically are overseen by the TIEC, Tryon International Equestrian Center. Here's some text from the TIEC manual, frequently asked questions section, to give you a better understanding of what transpires at these events. When are hobby horse competitions happening at TIEC? TIEC typically hosts hobby horse competitions every Saturday during our summer series in July and during our fall series in October. Where are hobby horse competitions happening? Regular hobby horse competitions are typically held in the front green space next to the general store in Legends Plaza. Our hobby horse final is held in the Tyron Stadium itself before Saturday Night Lights competition. So one of my favorite things about any sort of kind of uh, passion pursuit or hobby or things where there's not a lot of money in it I love the the rinky dink side of all of these things. Like I I I don't necessarily want to table at them anymore, but I love attending hotel conventions of com- like co- hotel compo conventions because you just get these the weirdest neck beardiest old school weird like basement dweller dudes and I just it's such a a funny charming i don't think we want any like neck bearded basement dwelling dudes at these competitions i don't think no not on these <laughs> competitions but i just mean the i just mean i love any type of passion pursuit when people are there explicitly for the passion where there is no money and that's what those hotel conventions are always like and these these hobby horse competitions are the same vibe just with the genders inverted and instead of like a guy going like "Mm, issue 427 of superman it's like some girl being like uh when i was witnessing the canter of the horses i discovered this like i just love i love whenever somebody's really fucking excited about something really stupid i i love the 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 cross and the and the crossing of those those two parallels and the and the friction behind the like supreme devotion to something that's r- either really silly or inane or dumb. Yeah, I mean they literally keep the horses in stables and then like feed give them water troughs. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But also they like the the documentary which number one documentary like I, I said this to you before but the documentary is like an unfunny christopher guest movie the documentary that he's referencing is called hobby horse revolution and we will talk in depth about it later they film themselves during these competitions and then they watch the video back and they like study their their form and it's like and it's so it's like what you're talking about with like this weird basement comic convention type vibe mashed up with like that really intense people competing in like the Olympics or whatever type atmosphere where people are just like meticulously studying footage and being like, oh, my leg was slightly in the wrong positioning when I did that move. And I have to I have to practice that or whatever. I love it. I love whenever there's a dedication to craft, regardless of how stupid that craft is. What disciplines or sports does TIEC offer? Because we want hobby horse competitions to be easily accessible to the many non-equestrian guests we welcome to Saturday Night Lights, and in line with our goal to spread the magic of horses from carousel to competition, we choose to offer jumping only at this time. The objective nature of the sport means that it's easy to understand without instruction or practice time. In the future, though, there's no telling what we'll add to the roster. 
barrel racing? Dressage? Stay tuned. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What fence heights or divisions are offered at TIEC? Courses for each age group will be posted at the check-in table on the day of the competition. Divisions are designated by age with classes at various jump heights offered. Are there any specific rules or regulations for participants? Riders must complete the entire course with their hobby horse and will incur one fault for every rail knocked down during their time on course. Results will be based on the time in which the rider completes the course, with the fastest rider taking first place. The top height places will be awarded ribbons for each division at the conclusion of each class. Participants should wear comfortable athletic attire and running shoes or tennis shoes. How do, my, my question is just, what is the evolution of this? Like, where did this come from? How did it get to this? Because you're saying this thing about it being like passion or whatever. But I mean, is I mean, because are these classes free or do they cost money? Because there's one way you can think about this where it is just like people have this passion for this. And the other way around, the other way you can think about it is this organization is just printing money by selling these classes to these little girls. And it's, this is just a not a grift. This is like a thing that these people have figured out to make money from. Yeah, it's like a gymnastics classes or something. But it's like it's like a gymnastics class or a dance class or whatever, where those people just make fucking tons of money from just like charging ridiculous amounts of money for classes and competitions. And you have to pay for the hotels and you have to buy your uniforms and all this stuff that but just literally spun up out of nothing. Gymnastics and all the and dance have these like long histories of being this established thing where People, you know, people just naturally want to dance. Like there's, there's, there's little, there's little kids who just see dancing in movies or whatever. And they, they, they develop an interest in wanting to dance. So they develop an interest in wanting to do gymnastics because one day they want to go to the Olympics or whatever. But this is just like, this is just like creating something out of nothing where they're like, Hey, you want to jump around on a horse, like a toy horse. So we're come do this class. You got to learn how to do it. 400 bucks. Like, where did, where did this come from? Did this come from a genuine passion of like this community grew or did this come from like a couple girl, little girls were doing this and then somebody just like had like giant dollar signs and there some just giant Finland, whatever the Finnish dollar symbol is in their eyes of like a fish or whatever, whatever their money is called the <laughs> Finland fish marks or something. And they were, and they, they were, those were in their eyes. And then they were like, oh, and then they started this whole thing. I don't know. I, I searched around online for a while to try and find that. And I couldn't find a conclusive answer. Um, if one of our listeners knows and is a big, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a big Finnish hobby horse league fan and you know where this stuff came from, please let us know. Uh, you can email us at Andrew at deepcuts.com. <laughs> I don't even remember what Andrew at deepcutspod.com. Yeah. Do you think Tom of Finland did hobby horsing? No, I think he pulled the sex move called the hobby horse, but I didn't, I don't think he ever oh, yeah, actually yeah. did this. Yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely did that. Yeah. Um, so let's watch some of these, uh, these little, these little, these, these, these footages here. So we're watching uh, footage of one of the Finnish uh, competitions and man, I'm not going to lie, bro. I don't know that I could jump over those crossbars or whatever the fuck they're called that's that shit's high yeah i mean that's the thing about it though is like it's it's just like what they're actually doing is just normal human gymnastics but with like a gimmick added onto it it's like it's not to say that what they're doing is like not it's like easy or whatever they're they're but this is like a this is a thing that people do this is a this is a type of gymnastics this running and jumping over hurdles or whatever it is but they're just doing it with a toy horse between their legs. Which makes it even harder. Like, I I couldn't do that shit. Um, the best thing about hobby horsing is, I think, the community. Especially the community and also the uh, limitless imagination you can use. Like, there's the, only the sky is the limit, I think. Is there? Is the sky the limit? It's just kind of one thing. It's just you are riding a horse. That, that's the... That's kind of the extent of it. There's also kind of like, there's also kind of some interesting crossover with skate culture because the girl that's being interviewed right now uh, is also featured in the documentary pretty heavily and she became kind of like a viral meme. She's like the Tony Hawk of hobby horsing. Yeah, she became a viral meme in Finland in like the mid 2000s uh, or I guess mid 2010s. And she, she's got a really interesting look. She's kind of punky, uh, dyed hair. Um, she wears combat boots and stuff and 
and in in Finland she would she would make these hobby horsing equivalents of skate videos where she would film herself running around jumping over stuff with this hobby horse and she looks cool and then she would edit it to music literally like a skate video and and they kind of went like mini viral and she became sort of the 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 face of this um i don't want to say movement because it's not really a movement because they're not and there was there was the there was the one she did where it was directed by Spike Jones and he actually like digitally removed the horse so it just looked like she was riding an invisible horse. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting how there it, it 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 as a subculture has these kind of common DNA elements to subcultures that we have here in the U.S. And Dave, that- I want to play Tony Hawk's pro hobby horsing. Fuck that. I want to go hobby horsing with Tony Hawk, like the actual guy. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually recognize him if we if we meet him. I love it. There's that meme. There's that meme where like apparently nobody recognizes him. And he always tweets about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 fascinating that, you know, it like you like you had said, where it's this weird kind of. And this part of it. Yeah. And this part of it just, you know, just a further what i was saying like this part of it where they're not even jumping over the hurdles they're doing like they're doing like the dressage or whatever like it once again it's just kind of like interpretive dance but like just with a horse under your legs yeah where where you know the in actual equestrian stuff they they like train horses to prance in time with music and then like grade the performance of the rider and horse as a unit which is like a feat right because you're training this wild animal to perform on command which is way hard but it's really fucking funny when there's just like a girl dancing to music trying to appear as though she is a horse which is just it's it's so fascinating to me so so interesting i know that this is finland and not iceland but this entire thing just feels like it's like Bjork's dream. This, this was like this was like Bjork just like created this in her mind and and it and it came into the real world. Oh my god, this whole our whole world, you know, they talk about the the universe is a simulation. This is a pocket dimension that it was created by Bjork and it started from the hobby horsing and then it just like had to like create a whole world around it in order to like contextualize the hobby horsing because it couldn't just be like a universe of hobby horsing only so it had to create everything around it (laughs) welcome to my nightmare this is my horsing of the hobby universe (laughs) i don't even know enough about bjork to make more riffs like doesn't she have a song where she's kind of like yeah hobby horse you mean every one of her songs? I think so. I think if you play Bjork's music backwards, it's like, your hobby horsing is the best. I go through all this before you wake up so I can ride hobby horse and feel safe again with you. I go through all this dressage before you wake up. <laughs> if you watch if you watch the uh if you watch the Hobby Horse Revolution documentary at half speed, you can see that all of those girls' faces have been deep faked and they're all actually just Bjork's face. <laughs> it's like that scene in Being John Malkovich where it's just all Bjorks. <laughs> And they're just all hobby horsing. Bjorken, Bjorken, hobby horsen, hobby horsen, Bjorken, Bjorken. She's the Swedish chef. I don't know, man. I don't know. Iceland, Sweden, it's all the same to me. I don't know. I'm an ignorant American. I'm from Arizona. We don't even have schools there. You, you you didn't know what Iceland was until this until just now. Whenever I said it, yeah, I'm just playing along with you. you. I don't actually you're know yes for and, sure. You're just yes anding me since I said Iceland. You're like, oh, yeah. that, that sounds like a real place. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's real. I don't think he's fucking around. But even if he is, whatever, I can just play it off and be like, yeah, I knew that there was no such place as Iceland. 
Iceland. That's that sounds so made up. Yeah, Iceland, Greenland. I don't know. Fuck it, Fireland. Ah, Forestland. Let's do it. I am anti Bjork. I am from Fireland. I hate hobby horsing, and I do exclusively gangster rap, which for some reason I feel like would be the opposite of Bjork's music. <laughs> Can't even, my most can't even. my most famous song is "Fuck the Hobby Horse," where I combined my hatred of hobby horsing with my musical styling of gangster rap. Uh, fuck that shit, cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a hobby horse. <laughs> my rapping voice sounds very different from my speaking voice. <laughs> The hobby horse competitions are no laughing matter, though. Well, they're a little bit. They're a little bit of a laughing matter. In fact, girls train for months to be able to compete and train in them with the utmost respect, dedication, and regard. I don't know what the fuck that sentence means. I wrote that. And I must have been high. <laughs> Wait a minute. It'll make it'll make sense. It'll make sense if it's read like this. Ready? The hobby horse competitions are no laughing matter. In fact, girls train for months to be able to compete and treat them with the utmost respect, dedication, and regard, as we're about to learn. And commercial break. Possibly, maybe. <laughs> anti anti Bjork. Uh, shouldn't your name be something like Kjorb, like Bjork backwards? You would think that. You'd be wrong, motherfucker. Don't bizarro stereotype me. Not all bizarros have just everything backwards. <laughs> it is such a stereotype to assume that everything in a bizarro's life is just that thing, but spelled in reverse. Have you not read All-Star Superman? Come on. Labaro is a well-rounded three-dimensional person. You fucking moron. You fucking Nisa which is which is Philistine backwards. That one that one thing is backwards though. Sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. You should definitely go like the Facebook page for the Deep Cuts pod because we do lots of cool video content on there that you'll be sure to like. Also, please join our Facebook group. That's Deep Cuts Podcast on Facebook and the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Also follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. Act 2. To the nation that started it all, a stick is not a stick, it's a horse. Hobby horsing originated in Finland around 2004. Since then, it has grown to be a pastime of roughly 10,000 people in the country. In 2017, the Wall Street Journal sent Zeke Turner to cover the sport for them. This is what he wrote. But what if they sent Hunter S. Thompson, though? Turku, Finland. At a recent equestrian competition, dozens of girls and a team of judges studied rider Ada Flippa's every move as she approached a series of jumps, measuring the length of each stride and nothing the tension she kept on her horse's reins. Later that night, Miss Flippa, 16 years old, packed her two horses in the back seat of her black compact car and drove to her parents' house in Nantali, an archipelago area on Finland's southwest coast. She's a rising star in a new sport with more than 10,000 athletes and followers in Finland. Equestrian jumping and dressage on hobby horseback. Though the horses are not real, competitors say their sport demands dancerly rhythm, gymnastics control, and the athletic skill to compete, jump over obstacles that can be chest high for many participants, mostly girls between age 10 and 18, although boys are allowed to participate, all while keeping control of their horses on a stick. Hunter, I just have one question. Um, when you went to this uh, hobby horse under uh, this hobby horse competition under the pseudonym Zach Turner, uh, did you think that there was a possibility that this story could turn into your next, you know, uh, Fear and Loathing book? Was there, was the original title Fear Fear and Loathing in Helsinki? I went to the hobby horse competition with a with a head full of ether, so I really wasn't thinking of much else besides getting back to the hotel so I could drink myself into oblivion. I don't remember writing any of this, to be honest. Your steps have to be light and beautiful, said Elsa Salo, 16. There's a photo of a uh, uh, a, a girl, presumably 
El Sasalo, who is 16, leaping over a uh, a crossbar thing that appears to be like four feet high. This photo looks fairly mundane compared to the way I experienced it there on the site. When I was there with a head full of ether, this looked like a serpent's tongue protruding from the face of God and coming towards me to lure me into oblivion. Now I can see that it's just a small girl with a toy horse jumping over a hurdle. It's crazy though that that hurdle looks fucking high. Like I could not jump over that. Like straight up, I could not do that. I could throw you over it. Well, that's different. That's like a fastball special thing. Like, of course. But what if we teamed up and we became like the, the like the Bash Brothers of the hobby horse competition where it's like we're a duo and the way that we do it is I just throw you over the hurdles. I throw you like a boomerang. Do you really think I'm going to say no to this? Like, do you really think that this is going to be something that I'm going to be like, mm, I don't know. We could dominate the hobby horse community with our gimmick. The funny thing about this photo and a lot of the footage that I've seen is that uh, apparently a lot of the competitors in this sport enjoy doing it barefoot, which is interesting because most sports you do with shoes, you can have better grip and move quicker. But I guess when you're hobby horsing around, you don't want no shoes. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not horsing around. They're hobby horsing around. What well, seems like high art to these disciplined youngsters can look quite different to everyone else. After all, hobby horses are basically toys, and people riding them have clowned around during intermissions at equestrian events for decades. People assume that it's a game, or we are more or less crazy, said Vinla Maria Utella, 20, a chairwoman of the Finnish Stick Horse Enthusiast Association, and author of two books on the sport, including a volume dedicated to hobby horse accessories. But riders do not just run around neighing through bushes, said Miss Utella, who is applying to veterinary college. At the Alphonse Cup last weekend in Turku, Finland's sixth biggest city, Miss Flippa competed in jumping events on Charmy, which she described as a Danish warm blood stallion. She rode Jadwa, her caramel covered Arabian mare, for the dressage event known in equestrian circles as Kerr or Freestyle. While the British pop song Wings played off a portable speaker, Miss Flippa squared her shoulders while leading Jadwa through a passage, a serene but powerful walk. The Piaf, a rhythmic jogging in place, made her blonde ponytail bounce. For the extended trot, a move that involved taking the biggest step possible while maintaining full control, she raised her thigh, pressed her ankle, and pointed her toe forward without losing balance. When the song came to an end, horse and rider bowed in front of the judges and Miss Flippa patted Jadwa's neck. Judge Annie Toivonen, 11, awarded Miss Flippa first place to her elegant movements and perfect rhythm, while another rider who didn't place left the room to cry. I left shortly afterwards to just watch her cry. And it was it was the most riveting part of the entire event. Miss Flippa hopes to repeat her performance next month against the best riders in Finland at the Hobby Horse Championships just outside of Helsinki, where she placed second last year. She has taken up a regimen of squats and jogging to prepare for jumps as high as four foot three inches and trains up to six hours a week. Finland has thousands of hobby horse fans. The sport's growing stable of riders is eliciting perplexity in serious equestrian circles. Professional riders puzzle at the age of the top contestants some of whom legally qualify as adults and can drive themselves to competitions. You're kidding me, said Gunilla Swartling, director of the Swartling Riding School in Stockholm, Sweden. Founded in 1905 by her great-grandfather, an officer in the Swedish cavalry. Wow, I thought they were nine or something. It's like using a doll. And as you can see from my reporting, there is a long history of nepotism and inherited wealth in the hobby horse uh, community. It is, it is riddled with corruption. Hobby horse riders, including an estimated 5,000 in Sweden, discuss such comments as elite snobbery. Competitors who invest real time, money, and tears in the sport say it is much more than just horseplay for the ponytail set. Miss Flippa's cousins have been asking her when she's going to put her hobby horse out to pasture. If your hobbies are ice hockey, nobody asks you when you're going to stop, said Miss Flippa. I'm always happy. I always smile when I do this, and I'm always improving, she added. Why would I want to stop? The sport has grown so much in Finland that a secondary market is emerging across thousands of hobby horse Instagram accounts to trade and resell horses. Competitors create identities for their hobby horses, and they can change hands for as much as 160 fish marks, which is about $174 American USD. 
depending on their provenance and type. According to Alyssa Arniomaki, 20, a biology student in Helsinki who sells them. Some of the horses are good at jumping and some are fast, said Ellie Toivnemia, 32, a co-producer of a documentary called Hobby Horse Revolution that is premiering in North America at Toronto's Hot Docs Canadian International Documentary Film Festival in May. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be caught dead with any of my works being shown at such an amateur film festival. Also, this, this kind of reminds me of this, this idea that the different horses jump faster or go higher or whatever. Kind of reminds me of my days playing Super Mario Kart 64 when I'd always ch choose Toad because he had the best handling and the fastest speed. The levels of creativity and imagination really struck me as something radical, said Selma Vilhunen, the film's director. It's really, the, the names just don't stop. They just don't stop. The names don't stop coming in this. Hobby horse riders insist their sport isn't just economy equestrian, but frequent real riding lessons don't always fit into family budgets, parents say. See, I knew it. I, in, in my research, I knew that there was going to be some kind of like grift to this, that there was somebody charging out the wazoo for these classes. The sport's success speaks to an egalitarian streak coming from Finland this year after the country became one of the first to experiment with a guaranteed basic income. So these families are getting a guaranteed basic income and they're blowing it on horse classes. This is proof that the guaranteed basic income is not the right thing for the United States. Because then we're going to be, then hobby horsing is going to become this big thing here. And we're all, it's just going to become a, a generation of people just riding around fake horses and not working. Registration fees at hobby horse competitions are kept as low as possible. About 50 fish marks, fish pences per event. Competition organ organizers must work as volunteers, according to Constitution of the Finnish Stick Horse Enthusiast Association, the sport's governing body. That is made up. That's not a real thing. <laughs> the movement has become so powerful that some have been left trying to rein in the girls. A teacher at the Wino Altonin Elementary School in Turku added our new rule aimed at students such as 10-year-old Limpy Hanel. No horses in the classroom. Limpy's mother, Sara Malila, 46, who works for the city, said she couldn't afford more than two hour-long riding lessons a month on real horses for her daughter at 27 fish marks each. But together with another mother, she spent 90 fish marks to rent a haul for the recent competition and has spent up to 40 fish marks on fabric to make a hobby horse. Limpy's grandmother, Christina Malila, 69, has learned to sew the horses for her granddaughter. Still, she said, she wishes the sport of her childhood, skiing, skating, and running after boys, were more popular nowadays. Wait, they had they had competitive boy chasing in Finland? One of Finland's most famous writers said naysayers should hold their horses. I definitely didn't write this. This doesn't sound like me at all. Kira Kirkland, who won the Dressage World Cup Finals in Paris in 1991 on a live horse, and tied to finish record by competing at <coughs> the, the, the mescaline is starting to kick in and tied the finish record by competing at six Olympic Games said that the devotion and interest of the young stick riders was the first step toward success on a larger scale. If you look at dressage, for instance, said Miss Kirkland, 65, the top riders today, they do not come from wealthy families. They are nerds. You know, I, I skipped out on the what, what was the fight? What was the fight that I didn't go to? The boxing fight? Muhammad Ali and somebody else? I skipped out on that and people called me crazy. They said that I missed out on the, the event of the lifetime. But if I had it all to do over again and I had the choice between seeing that and going to these this glorious hobby horse competition, I would choose this any day of the week. It was the single most inspiring moment I ever saw in my life. Fear and loathing on the hobby horse trail. Uh, thank you. Horse country. Thank you, Mr. Hunter S. Thompson. I did not anticipate you being in uh, this episode as our special guest, but I really appreciate you coming in and chatting with me about this. Act three, all the pretty hobby horses. Dave, what did I miss whenever I just took that huge shit? <laughs> well, we had the ghost of uh, we had the ghost of of Hunter S. Thompson show up and he read an article that he definitely wrote for The Wall Street Journal. Was his impression good? <laughs> um, 
You know, it was all right. It was okay. It was all right. Yeah. If nothing else, I just respected Hunter S. Thompson's dedication to the bit. (laughs) That's what I really, I respect that about Hunter S. Thompson. When he commits to something, he really commits to it. Selma Vilhunen, the acclaimed Oscar-nominated filmmaker, directed a film about the hobby horse phenomenon titled... The Hobby Horse Revolution, which was released in 2017. And now we're going to watch the trailer for Hobby Horse Revolution. Yeah, it's a little girl named Rita saying, talking about how people are mean and don't understand the hobby. Uh, you learn handcrafted skills, coordination, your writing, uh, dressage. Uh, and uh, you get to be friends with people. Um, and now we're watching footage of one of the primary characters prancing around a field. This girl, the girl that we were talking about earlier that was like the biggest hobby horser or whatever that became a meme, she looks like she looks like young adult novel girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, dyed hair, uh, lots of black pleather. Uh the, the, the trailer for this documentary is a lot of footage of, as you would think, young girls riding on hobby horses, running around parking lots, and then interview footage of them in their bedrooms, kind of discussing how mean people can be and the time and energy that they put into this passion. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's a very low stakes documentary, but I, it, it, it has some really sad moments in it. It's very, um, I hesitate to say moving, because I don't know that it is moving in the way that like there's swelling violins and like it moves you to tears. But just a lot of the documentary is like people with this very peculiar passion being lonely. It's just like a, a solid atonal loneliness throughout the, the movie. Um, and the movie does its best to try and accentuate kind of whatever, you know, togetherness or people finding connection through the, through the hobby horse competitions and stuff. And I think it, you know, that, that, that's great, but it still is kind of like, it really is what you were saying earlier of it is a not funny waiting for Guffman or a mighty wind. Like it's, there's just so much of it that's just kind of like, oh, fuck, man. This is just this, the existence of this thing. I mean, like the documentary, it feels like, it feels like Bjork, Christopher Guest, that woman who directed you, me, and everyone we know. And then like fucking whatever her name is, I blank it on her name, the girl who made girls and tiny furniture, Lena Dunham. They all got together and like created a, like a fake publicity stunt pretending like this is real yeah yeah pretty much um yeah i guess now we can get into our the full discussion of the movie so you know as we previously mentioned the name of the movie is hobby horse revolution and it's a finnish movie that came out in 2017 directed by uh selma vilhunen and the style of the movie is very minimalist like it's it's not even really like all that much happens in it and I think it almost would have been a little bit better of a documentary if certain elements had been compressed to make it feel a little bit higher stakes because it it has this kind of dragging nature, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I think it kind of is related to the subject matter and that when you're a little kid, things feel like they take a long time and the movie's about loneliness and lack of connection and kind of being spurned by societal conventions. So the fact that the movie kind of is sparse and lonely in that way also kind of works on one level. Um, but I, there were points in the movie where I was kind of like, not to be mean because the, it's these people's lives that we're discussing, but like the movie kind of repeats itself. It kind of has duplicate beats where like, it's like poetry, it rhymes. It's it's like poetry, it rhymes, or... This is regular Bjork, not anti-Bjork. <laughs> you know, the movie follows four young girls uh, in, in Finland as they prepare for a series of um, hobby horse competitions climaxing in the main, you know, the, the, the big show, as it were. And um, it, it goes into a bunch of their kind of personal lives and their home situations. And it, it details how they found hobby horsing as a means of recreation and then a means of kind of staying fit and going out and doing stuff, uh, making friends and how that has impacted their social lives. And um, 
yeah, it, it, I feel like it's an interesting window into these people's existence, but I kind of wish that the, as a movie, as like a narrative, I wish that it had gone one step deeper, you know, like it, it kind of feels like it just, it stops at a certain point. And then it's like the big climax of the film is them saying like, everybody should respect our hobby. And it's all these young girls parading through the streets, chanting respect hobby horsing, which is a nice message. Um, but it, it, I don't know. It just doesn't, the movie itself, like the fact that we both watched a movie about competitive fucking hobby horsing and don't know any of the logistics of how the fuck competitive hobby horsing came to be like, not that that necessarily needs to be the entire point of your movie, but like, you can't put one sentence in there about like, this is why this is a thing in our culture. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just asking for something that the filmmakers weren't interested in, in. If you don't like how many layers we went in, Dave, maybe you can go watch fucking Inception or some shit. <laughs> we did not make this documentary to spoon feed you the logistics of hobby horsing. We, we made it to craft an emotional reality where you feel the loneliness of these little girls who are birthed out of my dreams. <laughs> uh, Nega Bjork, what did you think of the Hobby Horse Revolution documentary? Or Andrew, whichever one of you wants to answer that question. I loved it because it exactly echoed the shadows of my own mind. But I think Andrew had slightly different thoughts about it. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, it, it is, it's just, um, like hearing it from the outside. If you describe it, I think, I think that if you, if you listen to this episode and you kind of like get the uh, the gist of what this thing is, then I think you can kind of imagine what the documentary would be like, even without watching it. Um, and maybe especially like hearing just like the little snippets of the the trailer and just kind of feeling the tone of it. Um, I think you would get a good idea of it kind of feeling like this like kind of quiet, introspective documentary that's about the inner lives of these little girls. And it's like about the competitions, but it's really about them and their loneliness. I think that you would get the gist of that from hearing this. But when you actually watch the documentary, like that's a really one note thing. And it just kind of, it just kind of repeats it over and over again. Like you were saying, it's just, it just hammers on this, like it hammers on this one emotional note of like, I, this little girl does this thing and people make fun of her for it. And she's kind of lonely. And then it's just like a bunch of different girls that have the exact same story. And then it just kind of hammers on that note over and over again. And, it, and it'd be different if like it went somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it'd be different if like this is a cautionary tale or as you know, this is what ha like if uh, not that I want this to happen, but like if one of the girls had a break and like beat somebody up and like, you know, it. I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying that's a a step deeper of like showing what happens when people are treated cruelly. That is the American desire for violence and destruction that had no place in our film. Yeah. But like, like you said, like it's like two hours of people being like, yeah, so I feel kind of lonely. And then the last five minutes is like parading through the streets with saccharine violins being like, respect us, which is like, a nice message but it, it just doesn't i don't know it doesn't feel earned in a in a in a in the in the in the narrative hierarchy of a story where there's not a rising action there's not somebody going on a quest there's not a thing that propels you through it conversely it's not a documentary where in air quotes nothing happens like there are tons of documentaries that i like where you're just kind of like sitting around listening to people talk and that too can be interesting but the movie is kind of like this middle ground where it's like they're going to competitions and there's friction between the girls and this person didn't place and that person placed. And it's like, it's almost a documentary where things happen and it's almost a documentary where nothing happens, but it's neither. I'm getting horsey, Jerry. I'm getting horsey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Just scream that at like 1040 at night. Your neighbors are just like, yeah. fuck that guy again. <laughs> oh, I, there was like a membrane that I had to bust through where in the beginning it was like, I'm I'm recording this music, but like, I don't want people to think that I'm like, I don't want people to be annoyed. I don't want people to think that I'm insane because whenever you hear somebody singing, recording, singing from the outside without the music, it, it never sounds good to hear somebody isolated singing along to a song. Oh, man, I feel self-conscious. 
and like i don't want people to think that i'm just like insane or like or whatever and in order to get it done you just have to break through that and there was like a there was a point where at, at a certain point it was like fuck it like if i'm gonna get this done i have to just not care if all my neighbors think i'm a fucking maniac so what you're saying is we write a code in c plus plus even though i don't i don't write my code in c plus plus i don't do that at all if you haven't listened to the musical episode you listener who may or may not be a subscribed fan of the show please sub the show and also we did a whole fucking musical andrew wrote 11 songs about the history of the peer-to-peer file sharing service napster andrew wrote 11 songs I worked on a couple of them and sang some of them, but mostly it was Andrew's genius on display. Go listen to the Napster episode. The Rise and Fall of Napster. The Rise and Fall of Napster. And uh, I, I, I code in C-sharp and JavaScript, but... You fucking nerd. You fucking nerd. Napster was written in C++. Look, man, I spend my time out of the sun. I make these things called funny books. They're coded in D++. <laughs> they're coded in uh, HB. That's what they're coded in. It's the type of lead oh. you draw in HB. I was like, heavy bakies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the documentary, I think it's it's an interesting window into these people's lives. I don't know that it delivered any surprising things to me where I was like, I can go out on a limb and say that someone who probably is involved in competitive hobby horsing might be a little lonely and socially awkward and ostracized. And what I got out of the movie is people who are involved in competitive hobby horsing are a little socially awkward and ostracized and lonely. Um, it's still interesting to witness that and see the wrinkles and see the the human toll and the cost that people take for these interests that they have. Um, I, I was most interested by the, the girl, Alyssa, the, the Tony Hawk of hobby horsing. Like I, I was mostly like, why the fuck isn't this whole documentary just about her? Like, this is so weird that she made these videos that went viral and she's like objectively a cool looking person. Like she seems like somebody I would have been friends with in high school, you know, like it, it, but then she also has this interesting wrinkle where she's obsessed with hobby horses. It's so, there's such a, such a strange dynamic to it. Um, um, I think it would have been more interesting if they all had heads full of mescaline. <laughs> Giving mescaline to these eight year olds jumping over these fucking crossbars, whatever they're called. Where's the lie? Doesn't that not sound amazing to you? Fucking, Hunter S. Thompson never said, where's the lie? He literally never said those words in his entire life. I coined the phrase, where's the lie? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, the, the documentary, it's an interesting bit of texture to the overall story. But I, to, in my opinion, I don't know that it is the story. Does that make sense? They attempted a quiet, emotional, introspective approach to the story and i and it just kind of failed i guess i I, like i would have actually preferred if they just gave us more information about the thing if it it was and it was a more informational documentary yeah if it was a vice documentary where there's some guy or girl in helsinki going i'm squirrel this squirrel and we're going up to the sea this person who's the tony hawk of fucking hobby horsing we had to fly for 75 years to get here we're behind enemy lines this is vice in 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 co-partnership with hunter s thompson we all have heads full of mescaline which actually was the vice guy's recommendation this time i mean as much as we're shitting on vice zach carlson made that show on vice he was a guest on our show he's great i would have loved if just zach had gone to helsinki or taruk or tukur or whatever the fuck the city was and like just interviewed those people like he oh yeah for sure he seems like somebody he seems like somebody who's uh got an interesting lens on things and i think that's that was kind of my takeaway is that it felt to me like a really interesting subject matter made in a fairly bland way like you're making a movie about hobby horse competitions and i'm not like completely enthralled the entire time that's kind of a feat unto itself you fucked up um but that being said i'm not i'm not trying to shit on fucking selma vilhunen i'm just saying i am fuck you selma vilhunen (laughs) Well, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> we can we can part ways on that one. Uh, Andrew, hot takes in air quotes, fuck Selma Vilhunen Price. 
uh, is quoted as saying, fuck Selma the Hunan. Davy Bakes says, uh, I'm sure she's a nice person and tried her best. And, um, uh, you know, um, there probably wasn't a lot of money to make this documentary. And, um, you know, they did the best they could. And uh, I enjoyed watching the movie, but maybe would have liked a little bit more. Fuck Zara Fel Verhunen, whatever her name is. It's not worth remembering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so on that note, um, Andrew, before I read this uh, closing outro, do you have anything, any closing thoughts you want to want to say about either competitive hobby horsing, Hobby Horse Revolution, the documentary and or Hunter S. Thompson? Um, Hunter S. Thompson was uh, was an interesting figure. He uh, he wrote a, a couple of uh, very important works, but he was, you know, a very controversial person that, uh, you know, wasn't always consistent in the quality of his work. I think his coverage of the hobby horse competitions was probably his most important work of all. In terms of hobby horsing itself, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like the 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 concept of hobby horsing from the outside, it feels like it's gonna be this thing that's like ripe for internet memeing, and it's this really bizarre thing that can be made fun of, and you go into it expecting that. And not that it isn't bizarre, but you, when you kind of actually look into it, kind of similar to the documentary, it's kind of not exactly all the way there. It's it's not a it doesn't go it, when you actually look into the details of it. There's not a lot that you can take away from it to really turn into like a meme um, without just openly being cruel about just like little girls doing a fairly innocuous thing. That's pretty strange, but, you know, whatever. Um but uh, but but that being said, it, it it is it is very bizarre. I think the thing that is bizarre to me about it is the way is not that like these little girls are like pathetic or insane or whatever. I I, I think the bizarre nature of it is how it's a it's it's essentially like kids playing pretend that has been turned into a national competition, which is very bizarre to me. In closing. Hobby horsing is a means by which young girls are able to find connection, foster friendship, and stay physically active. It's a positive thing across the board. It's also really funny, kinda dorky, and made even stranger by the fact that all these girls basically do it barefoot. In the end, we're all just looking for connection, searching for a shared passion, and the people that partake in this bizarre and silly pastime have absolutely found that, which is more than most. So, ultimately, who gives a shit if the streets are overtaken with roving bands of that horse girl? If they're all emotionally centered, that's all that matters. In the end, we're all just hobby horse tournament competitors, after all. Created inside of my dreams. Reality is a simulation that was birthed from my subconscious. I'm Dave Baker. I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me on the internet at heydavebaker.com. Um, you can also pick up my comics, Night Hunters at floatingworldcomics.com. You can pick up my Star Trek book, Star Trek Voyager 7's Reckoning, wherever comics are sold. Uh, And uh, you can find my self-published stuff and my small press stuff like Fuck Off Squad and Action Hospital at heydavebaker.com. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me right here using this up as an opportunity because I don't know where else to do it. With an axe to grind and 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 a grievance to air. So I just have to bring this up and talk about this on on the show. I don't care about any negative reviews we get. I'm fine with all of them. There's a part of me that wonders why people feel the need to give a negative review of a show that they clearly just don't like the sensibilities of. And it seems like maybe you just move on to a different show and just don't listen to it. I wouldn't I wouldn't go on. I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to a, a, a religious podcast and give a negative review being like, this podcast sucks. God doesn't exist. Like that just like I <laughs> the podcast isn't for me. But fine, whatever. I don't care about any negative review. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I find a lot of them very fascinating. But the one re- the one type of review review that genuinely enrages me, and we've gotten a couple of them like this, are the reviews that say that our podcast is poorly edited because their podcast app isn't working correctly. We've gotten multiple reviews that say some variation of you need a you need a better editor. Your podcast is always skipping around and repeating sections. Do you think even a even a bad editor, it would it would actually they would have to actually try hard 
in order to repeat parts of the show over again. That would actually be a difficult thing to do. You would have to go out of your way to repeat parts of the show multiple times. Do you really think that that is the editing of the show that we've just posted an episode where parts of it are repeated over and over again? Or maybe your podcast app isn't functioning correctly. And I've got the answer for you. It's not the episode. It's your podcast app and not jump to the conclusion that we've edited it that way. So I just I just had to say that because I see these reviews periodically and it's and they're the only ones that bother me because it really makes no sense to think that it's the actual episode that has been edited so poorly that parts of it have been repeated multiple times it's not the show it's the podcast app use spotify or overcast and you can also find me at dapricerights.com where you can get my book deadbolt ai private eye and you can also find me at dapricerights.com where you can get my book deadbolt ai private eye <laughs> Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by D. Catalano, whose music can be found at wekeepoddhours.bandcamp.com and Dad Beats. You can listen to his podcast, Food Fight, a food discussion podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, and The Dead Boy Detectives.